The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We have a great show for you today. The Authentic Living Show has been chosen exclusively by Harpo to air clips from both Oprah's two-part life class on fatherless sons with Ayala Van Zandt and Dwayne Wade and her new Super Soul Sunday series, which begins this Sunday, Mother's Day, with her interview with Maya Angelou. So listen out for those clips during the show today. I'll be telling you when they're coming up, so pay attention. You don't want to miss these. I am an avid Super Soul Sunday and Life Class fan. These shows are always DVR'd on my TV, and there's never an episode from which I don't get something I can use. So I am really happy, excited to be a part of this effort and to recommend these very special and enlightening shows to you. So that's one feature of our show today. And then we're also going to be talking about, between Oprah clips, how we walk in this world and still maintain our walk in the world of the soul. How do we deal with issues of survival, relationships, work, finances, health, politics, war, etc., while simultaneously living in the world of stillness, joy, emptiness, and peace? Some say we should simply stop listening and watching and reading the news. Uh, maybe we should just tell ourselves that this world is an illusion and the only real is the world of the soul. That way we can continue to suppress all of our so-called negative thoughts. But more and more people are finding that way of living amounts to a lot of pretending and a lot of repression. So how do we live in the medial life, the life between worlds? Well, that's the question we're going to be answering today. So first I want to say that you know, if you've been listening to the show for very long, that you get to agree and disagree with this or any other show. So I encourage you to take what you need and leave the rest. Someone else will take what you left, I promise. What we want to do is just have a discussion. We're just talking about some ideas, and you can take from it what will work for you, and whatever doesn't work for you, leave it here. So first I want to talk about what it is, what we mean by the medial world. The medial world is a world between worlds. And when we talk in terms of worlds, we tend to think in terms of, in terms of closed spaces. So, uh, we think of a, a globe, a world, uh, an earth, <laughs> an earth on this side and an earth on that side. But actually, uh, that's part of our problem here with this sort of idea of the medial world is in that we think in terms of two poles. One is the sort of secularist pole and the other is the sort of spiritualist poles. And those are very loosely um, loose terms that I'm putting out there so that you can sort of get the idea that one is on one end of the continuum and the other one is on the opposite of the continuum. So 
you know, we pretty much know what the secular world holds. That's when we have to where we have to pay our bills and drive our cars and um, not get too mad on the freeway and take care of our children and uh, be good daughters, sons, wives, husbands, uh, parents, employees, etc., etc., in order to manage our lives. That's the secular world. And, you know, there's other facets to that world that include what somebody, some would say is the, the, the darker part of our existence. And some very often assert that all of the secular world is the darker part of our existence because it isn't on the other pole, which is the spiritual world. And so that's not what we're proposing today at all, but that is the sort of polarized look at secularism, that it is dark, it is not so good, it is um, sometimes thought of even as evil, that it, because it's not considered to be a part of the spiritual world, it must be bad. And in some of the more traditional beliefs, what's, what happens is that uh, the world is the term used for that bad polarized place where it's secular. And, uh, and, and we should live in this other world that isn't secular. How we do that is up for grabs, but that's generally how we think of it. Because we live in the duality trance state, which if you've been listening for, to my show for very long, you know what that means. It means that we are – we believe – we are hypnotized into the belief that we're separate from the divine, however we think of the divine, and that, um, and because of that, we have to sort of earn our way back into some kind of relationship with a divine entity, a divine being, the universe, and in so doing, we are striving after that. But we also know, again, if you've been listening to the show for very long, that. If you are striving, that very thing that you're doing is actually keeping you from being able to understand the I am. Because the verse that we see in the Bible that I very often quote and is useful in all kinds of religions for the same idea, that is, cease striving to know that I am God, doesn't necessarily mean cease striving so that you can figure out who the big guy is, so that we know who the big boss is. It means, rather, that we might be able to cease striving to know who we are, to know that I am God. So, uh, so when we talk about the, the division between secularism and spiritualism, we tend to think of the world and then spirituality. So I want to say that first. And then spirituality itself is very often confusing because we think we're supposed to stay on this, uh, rarefied, uh, plane of bliss, in which we are constantly good, we never do anything that is questionable, we're always uh, in right action, we're always in prayer, we're always in meditation, we're always blissing out, uh, and, and we have a really difficult time with this world in which suffering exists, and we just don't understand why there's so much evil here, and so we just don't want to be a part of that. We're going to be over here in this other rarefied plane of existence, and so you know, sometimes I hear about people when they have had a near-death experience. They get very attached to the experience they had then in that near-death experience, and it's very difficult for them to imagine themselves walking on the plane of planet Earth where suffering, suffering still exists, even after they got to see all that glory. Uh, and so I certainly can understand that. Uh, however, we're here. And living here is the issue. So to try to avoid living here while living here is not going to get it really so so when we're talking about um, this whole idea of the medial world what we're talking about is a person who walks in the middle between these two worlds not half and half 
not half the time in the world and half the time in spirituality, but simultaneously walking in both worlds. And uh, that means that he or she knows and can live practically in the secular world while simultaneously living in and as soul. So the key word there is living. We can't live in either world if we're not really living. Okay, so in, a, in order for us to really be a present, there are some things that we need to do to, to make that happen, to be able to live in that uh, secular world, in that secular world as soul. So I'm going to stop right there, and we're about to have a clip. Uh, we're going to come back and talk more about the medial world after the clip, but I want to introduce you to this clip. Uh, we're going to have some clips of Oprah's sec- two-part life class, which airs on the OWN Network, both the 5th and the 12th of May at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, entitled Fatherless Sons. Now, Oprah's life class is a true multi-platform experience with millions of students from over 200 countries around the world engaging with Oprah on air, online, and via social media in inspiring conversations about principles that guide our lives. In this particular, in these two particular clips you're about to hear, Oprah Winfrey speaks, well, first Iyanla Van Zandt speaks, and then Oprah Winfrey speaks, uh, and they're talking about single mothers raising, raising fatherless sons to help them overcome the challenges of being an only parent. They're talking about how fathers work with that and how mothers work with that. They're also uh, joining the conversation is Ronald Warren from the National Fatherhood Initiative. He tells us uh, that over 10 million single mothers live in the United States dealing with this problem of parenting sons without a father. So they're all going to address on this show the three things every single mother must know. They'll discuss the importance of emotional relationships between children and their fathers and teach the best ways to support sons struggling with feelings with pain and anger. So uh, we're, we're going to see hear those clips uh, coming up in just a minute in which Oprah talks with Ayanna Van Zant discussing both, how both single fathers and single mothers can work to help or even reduce the number of fatherless sons, which... Over 24 million in the United States alone. That's huge. So they're going to address this huge problem, a very essential conversation that we all need to be having in just a minute in these clips. So tune in right now to hear two clips from the life class. He got clear that while he was a bad husband, he was a good. He could be a good father. And so many men confuse that, and they think because the relationship breaks down or the marriage breaks down, that that somehow also translate into their fatherhood. And it does not. You can leave her and keep them. Yeah. However, it requires that the women be open and willing to that, and sometimes they're not. If nothing else comes out of this show tonight, what I'm hoping is even if you don't, if you're not willing. To go down the road of strengthening your marriage, that you don't remove the yes. father from your child's life yes. because you are not involved. And I have to say this. Yes. I have yes. to say this for all of the younger women who yes. may be watching. Let's be clear and conscious about us having children with men we're not married to without being clear with them that that's what they want to do. Because one thing that prevents a man from being a good father is that he hasn't completed being a boy. So he hasn't completed being a boy. And so now you've given him a baby. So we got to be clear about that. We've got to be clear about that. We have got to be clear about that. That is really true. So we just heard two clips from the life class. 
uh, Fatherless Sons. One aired on the 5th, and the next one is coming up on the 12th of May. And uh, you can learn more about those at Oprah.com. So I would encourage you to go there and hear more about that. But uh, what they said just then in those two clips is is very, very important because what they're saying is pain starts very, very young for many people on this planet. And perhaps we could help people come into their true authenticity better by allowing them to be loved and appreciated for who they are and what they are uh, as they're growing up. So when a child is in pain because they don't have that father in the home with them, and I would say that's true for little girls as well as little boys, um, even though the segment here is about little boys, I think it's very important that children understand that they are loved by the significant people in their lives, loved and not only loved for just because they're their kids, but loved for who they are. Okay, so we're going to hear another clip uh, in this next segment, but right now we're going to get back to our topic, which is the medial person, and this fits right in to what we're talking about today because uh, the medial person also must know how to deal with pain because pain is one of those things we use as sort of an excuse not to be the medial person. We can say, well, life is suffering, and so therefore, I, I either have to live totally in the blissful spiritual world or I live totally in the bad, evil, secular world. And, and that way of thinking keeps us from being present in our lives. Remember before we had the clips, we said that in order for us to live simultaneously in the secular and the, and the spiritual world, we must learn how to live That is the key word. We must learn how to live. We must be living people. In other words, we must be present, present and aware. And we're going to talk some more about that, how to do that in the last part of this uh, show. But I want to say pain is one of those things that we use to say, I'm not going to be here for this. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be here for this. I don't want this. Mm-mm, not happening for me. And I can't tell you how many clients and, and uh, groups that I've worked with where this issue was a raised hand or a resistance in therapy that said, I, not me. It's not supposed to happen to me. I'm not supposed to have pain. And that very thing is one of the biggest problems in terms of personal growth into coming into our own as living beings so um, so the medial person takes pain and says, okay, here's another element of living, one of many elements of living. Um, sometimes in living, I'm driving to work, and I see some beautiful tree that seems to call me to look at it, and it seems to speak to me of its beauty, and I just am enthralled with that tree for just a few seconds. And I've been ensouled at that moment. Then again... I might also think about some tragic thing that's happened in my life or some particular problem that's going on right now, and I might be drawn into that. Now, I might say, oh, no, I'm not supposed to have any pain, and pain is negative. I don't need to go there, or I don't don't need to have any, quote-unquote, negative thoughts about my pain. But actually, what I need to be doing is being with my pain in the same way that I was with that tree. And if I'm not with that pain, then it has nothing to tell me. And if it has nothing to tell me, then I gain nothing from it. So how does pain speak to me? It tells me what I need. It tells me what I hunger for. It tells me what I, what my next step might be. And 
like I say a million times, all we need is enough light to see the next next step. We don't need to see the whole future. Just the next step is enough. And that next step might come by sitting with my pain long enough for it to say, you know, you really should do this. Here's what you should do because this that's going to make it hurt less or that's going to, you know, move you in a direction that's more authentic. Um, so listening to our pain is a privilege and an honor that we have here on planet Earth. And to say to ourselves, no, no, I shouldn't have pain. That's one of those things that keeps us split off between the two worlds, the secular world and the spiritual world. Um, it keeps us using drugs. It keeps us using sex. It keeps us using relationships. It keeps us using money, time, um, uh, work, all kinds of addictive ways of responding to life. Instead of living life as it is on life's terms. And that's what we're here to do. Um, but we, dec- we decide somewhere along the way that if I'm a good person, if I'm a successful person, if I'm a happy person, and all of those terms can be bound together in some kind of sort of psychic complex that we have, good, happy, and successful or right there together, glued and can't be broken apart, even though uh, the secular world and the spiritual world can be definitely broken apart in our minds. We cannot break those three things apart. Um, but because we don't break them apart and sort of look at them and see that, you know, the idea of good and bad, well, that's a dubious idea anyway. Who knows what's good and bad? What's good and bad in one culture is not good and bad in another. What's good and bad in one family is not good and bad in another. It's all... It's all driven by a particular culture, small or large. So I don't know what's good or bad, but I, I think I can find out what's true or false. And that is uh, that is where we get to the medial life. When I can sort out between what's true and what's false, what resonates inside me as truth and what resonates inside me as, yeah, no, not so true, that can give me a path to walk. And pain, if I tell myself the truth about my pain, then my pain can be a wonderful, magical even teacher. And I certainly know that there's been times in my own life I can look back and think of really very extremely difficult times, but I can I can look at that and go, look, I'm a whole different person now than I was before that pain happened. And that's what can come out of pain. I've become more medial. I've become more soulful. I've become more true to who I am by walking through that pain. Not letting it walk all over me (laughs) because I'm trying to run from it, but rather to just be present with it. So um, that's one of the definite ways that we uh, begin to walk in the medial world and uh, uh, in order to stay both connected practically to our everyday experience of living here on planet Earth where we have to drive cars and pay bills. and also live in my soul simultaneously. And so we're going to be talking in this, uh, in this show some more about how to make that happen, um, how, how that works, what tools we have at our ex- access to be able to facilitate the medial life. Um, and we're also going to get to hear another one of the Oprah clips from the life class in the middle of the next segment, too. So you want to be here for that. And remember, the, we're saving the best for laughs. We're saving the Super Soul Sunday clip to the final segment of our show because uh, that's the one about Maya Angelou. And, and we're going to be talking about that soon as well. So you got a lot to stay tuned for. Don't go away. 
We'll be back in just a minute. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be Extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with a glorious show today, uh, listening to some of uh, Oprah's clips from her life class, uh, the two-part life class on fatherless sons with Ayanla Van Zant and Dwayne Wade. And also, we'll have a clip uh, at the end of our show about the Super Soul Sunday series, which begins this Sunday, Mother's Day, with her interview with Maya Angelou. So in the middle of this segment, you'll be hearing uh, one of our clips, and I'll be announcing that just before it comes, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I want to tell you about our sponsor for the show today. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. Now, you may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internships, NBC, 
ACC-approved continuing education and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, a study that includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. This is not just another spiritual diploma mill. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. For those interested in enrolling, there's a small down payment of $250, and then you pay only $150 a month, interest-free, toward manifesting your dream. And right now, AIHT is running a special program in which if you email in before July 1st, you can get a free course just to try it out. Just email Beverly Love at AIHT.edu and put win a free course in the subject line. If your letter is drawn, you'll win a free course in which you can try out the education you can receive at AIHT. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. All you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325 or at beverlylove at aiht.edu. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325 to learn how to fulfill your deepest longings for a fulfilling career serving others using your own unique gift. So, we're talking today about the medial self, how to be the medial person. And we have this huge, amazing, wonderful tool right at our fingertips to establish this life, this life that lives between the worlds, that is, both in the secular world and in the spiritual world simultaneously. We have our senses, which is vision, touch, hearing, taste, smell. We have that accompanied with our creativity and our receptivity. And we're going to talk today about how to put those things together. Our senses are important uh, uh, elemental pieces of how we structure our version of reality. Um, it's, and it's not based in empirical data, though empiricism seems to be believe that senses are the only way to get to facts. Um, course i would disagree with that but um the the senses if i see something i'm not seeing what i see i'm seeing what i think i see and so what i think i see needs to come packaged with soul so it doesn't need to just be what i got taught to see by the secular world which would be on the one pole it doesn't need to be what i got taught to believe about reality um it needs to be my my senses combined with what I hear inside of me, see inside of me. So my soul is a part of the seeing. That's how we combine soul with physical body. That's how we combine the spiritual world with the secular world. So 
What that means is my intuition is a factor of what I see. My instinct is a factor of what I see. My other feelings are a factor of what I see. When I observe a particular interaction between two people or between another person and myself, for instance, I can be there present fully inside of myself and yet at the same time present fully for what's going on because I'm looking through the lenses of my soul to see what is going on outside of me. And we'll talk about how you can do that uh, uh, as well. But how in that process, what I'm doing is receiving, you might even say receiving data if you want to use that word, but I'm receiving information from my soul about what is really going on out there. And I can feel how that feels emotionally. I can he- feel how that feels physically. I can feel how that uh, it, it might be heard. I can feel how that might taste. I can feel how that might smell. All of these senses are working together to help me, my soul, see better, hear better what's going on in the room with me and another person or with two other, two other people that I'm watching. So that putting those things together is the process of of how we can be present in an interaction while also coming through the soul. Now, it's true that sometimes we don't get it till after the event, and I'm going to say let's just give ourselves a pass on that because when I'm not really, if I don't really get it till like 10 hours later, what I'm what I'm still doing is I'm looking back on what I felt 10 hours before that, and I'm going, oh well, that's what I was feeling. Oh, okay, that's what was going on. Oh, okay, that, uh-huh, now I see. And then I can address it. So it, it's not, it doesn't matter if it happens 10 hours later. It's okay, you still got it. So what we tend to go is, oh, well, I didn't get it right away, so I must have failed, so there's the end of that. I missed that chance. Well, you got a million chances, folks. We got a million chances. There's not one moment in our life that matters more than any other moment. It's all the same. This moment is is equal in value to the moment that's going to follow it and the moment that preceded it. So when we think in those terms, we're thinking in terms of perfectionism. Oh, well, yeah, screwed that one up. So I won't get another chance. Oh, well, not true. And so then we shut down on our creativity, which is one of the most powerful tools we have to be able to create the life we want. Um, and, And I would say exercise that creativity every single day. Do something creative every day. Draw a picture. Write a small little uh, prose poem. Um, look at something and cut a picture out that you really like and hang it up somewhere. I have a friend who, who does nothing but collage and she just loves it and she makes the most amazing, beautiful um, pictures out of these collages. So how we do what we do in terms of be, using that creative capacity we all have is going to be major in terms of keeping us in touch with that. So now we're going to go to that next clip that we have. We have one more clip from Oprah's two-part life class, again, airing May the 5th and 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific In this one, Flash, the NBA superstar basketball player Dwayne Wade, talks about the impact of his father's presence on his life and his own presence on the life of his sons. Early on in my life, I grew up with my mom. My mom was on drugs, and my family was in the gang environment. So it was a rough childhood. The next nine years of my life, I moved with my father, and I got an opportunity to be a kid. You know, if I would have stayed living in Chicago, I would have been next in line to you know, to sell drugs, to join the game. 
Moving with my dad at the age of nine was probably the most important um, part of my life. It really, that was at the, the, the point in the age that I needed that male voice. I, I needed the discipline. I needed, I needed a, someone to look at and say, I want to be like you. My dad was the kind of father who was very strict. He was militant. So he kept us out of a lot of trouble because we respected his no's and don'ts. But he also put us in sports. I was able to play basketball um, and give myself, you know, kind of this joy of, I want to do this when I grow up. So it gave me dreams that I probably never had um, before that. I got custody of my boys two years ago now, and my whole life changed. My, my oldest son, name is Zaire Wade, he's 10 years old. My youngest son, his name is Zion Wade, he's five years old. And my nephew as well, his name is Davian, he's 11 years old. It was a grueling process of going to, to, to fight for custody. Um, but I always knew one thing, I knew that I probably was a terrible husband, <laughs> but I knew that I was a great dad. Beautiful. That's a beautiful story that uh, Dwayne Wade tells us about, about his own heart opening up to the power of his children and to the power of being parented by his father. Uh, and that's a great segue because, you know, my belief is that parents are a the mirrors we first look into to find out who we think we are on this planet. And very often we look in a mirror that's faulty and we get a faulty image of who we are and we try to live that out for many years and try to be that for so long that we we define ourselves by it. So if, you know, 20 years later, I might ask, well, who do you think you are? Well, you might tell me, well, I'm just a bad kid or, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's always trying to be good and I give up, you know, my arm or leg for somebody else. I'll just always put other people first or, and really those are sort of almost caricature-like um, um, ways of living that have to do with not really living but trying to perform in a way that is all about survival. But certainly we do need to survive, and our parents can help us do that if they're really in tune. And that's what this show, uh, The Life Class, is all about. It's about parenting. It's about really being in tune with our children. And in that same way, we can parent ourselves to becoming the medial person, to, to be both the mother and the father for ourselves. And l- let me explain what I mean by that. Um, the mother, in its most ideal uh, form is the person who care- teaches us how to go inside and find out what is there. The father, in its most ideal form, is the person who says, okay, now that you've found that, let's take it out into the world. Let me show you how to do that. That combination is the, the, uh, a combination that can only lead to wholeness, and wholeness is uh, what the medial world is all about. So when we become whole people, we are living as soulful physical beings putting the two together form and formlessness together and so uh, being present with ourselves is what we're talking about here and what we said is that our senses are going to be huge in terms of being able to get us in touch with what's really going on around us uh, if in fact we can look at and hear and see and taste and smell and touch all the things that are out in the world from the inner world. So that mother says, okay, let's go inside and find your own vision, find your own inner hearing, find your own uh, inner touch. How do you touch yourself? How do you know when you are touched? 
by someone or something else. What's going on inside of you that lets you receive from the world and from yourself and from your soul what it has to give? Now, I need to be clear. When I say the word soul, I don't see any division between soul and spirit. Spirit and soul to me are the same exact thing. So when, when we're hearing our soul speak, we are speak, we are hearing from the divine. And, uh, whatever, however you call that, whatever, however you interact with that, that energy, that entity, however you see that. So, um, so in, in terms of going inside to find out what's in there, we, we find our, our soulful senses. And then, um, we we receive that we receive that information, and we go okay. Well, there's that information. Now, what do I want to create with that? Now we're living a whole life. Now we're living in the medial world. I remember a time. I'm I'm a poet as well as a as a writer, and as you know, I've written a couple of books. And I'm a, when I write, I wrote, wrote poetry when I was a kid, and and I used to really work at it, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to say before I said it, and then figure out how I was going to say it while I was saying it, all that stuff. And it was a struggle. And I remember one day when I became an adult, when I was sitting there writing, and I said, you know, I'm just not going to do that. This time. I'm just going to throw words at a paper. Just going to put it down there on paper and see what happens. And I did. And what came out was absolutely astounding. And, you know, people talk about this, the, the muses, the, the la duende, that the writing muse inside of us. And they say it is an energy that writes itself. And I think that's really true. I call it the soul. Uh, that, that really does put words down on a piece of paper. And that's what was happening for me. So when we get to, okay, I've gone inside and I've listened to the information in there and now splash, it's coming out on paper or on a canvas or on the way I dance or on the way that I interact with someone else in a creative fashion or the way that I dry, uh, uh, decorate my home or the way that I, you see, there's many, many ways that we can be creative. The way I interact with my child as a parent, the way that I create avenues to reach that child when he's angry or sad. These are the things that we can do with our creativity that allow us to be medial people. Um, so uh, there's one more thing we need to know about as we process through this whole idea of what it means. We have to allow some resistance to be present in the room as a bear, as, as a kind of way of creating our, our pathway because uh, it's going to be there. And we might as well just say, uh, yeah, it's going to be there and not try to push it away and not tell ourselves that it's not there. We can allow the divine to be present with our resistance. I'm going to say that again. We can allow the divine to be present with our resistance. We do not have to say, if I'm being resistant, the divine cannot come into the room or only if I'm not resistant is the divine in the room. We don't have to think that way. That's black and white thinking. It's polarized and it splits us in half. Um, so we don't have to think that way. What we can do is just note, as we would when we're meditating, when uh, some resistant thought might arise and we might just go, okay, well, there's that thought. Well, that's the same exact thing that can happen in our lives. If we feel ourselves resisting our own receptivity, we can just say, okay, I know the divine is present with that, with that resistance. And, you know, when it's time for, for, for me to be open to that thing that I'm resisting, I'll be open to it. 
because I trust the divine who's also in the room with everything. There's nothing that's separate from the divine. So in that way, we can allow that to be. Another way to allow that to be is to have an active imagination about it in which we actually interact with that res- resistance, kind of give it a name, give it a character and, you know, call it Joe the, the gang leader or call it something else and, and have a conversation with it and see, try to let yourself imagine what it says back. And what you'll hear is your resistance talking back. You're, you know, you'll hear it saying, oh, this is stupid. Don't be writing this stuff down. This is just crap. Don't, don't be thinking about this. You know, don't do that. But, uh, and after a while, that will sort of subside in the conversation and you'll begin to have a real conversation. What you've done is make room for your resistance. So, so in making room, uh, not for resistance this time, we're going to take a break right now and we'll be back. Uh, stay tuned. We got a lot more coming from Oprah's, uh, work and so don't miss it. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porozhik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. If you are looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light. Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And 
we're back talking today about the medial life and also listening to clips from Oprah's uh, upcoming Super Soul Sunday s- series. It begins this Mother's Day, May the 12th, and also the two-part life class on fatherless sons. We've already heard some of those clips. and We've got one more to go that will happen in just a few minutes on uh, the Super Soul Sunday series that's coming up this Mother's Day. So you want to be here for that. And uh, we're talking about the medial self, as I said, and how to get there, how to live the medial life, the life between the world of the soul and the world of secularity, secular life. Uh, and what we have said thus far is that um, there are we tend to split ourselves off into the two poles. Either we're in the secular world or we're in the spiritual world, and we can't seem to figure out a way to put those two together. Well, the medial life is the one that puts those two together, where you come from your soul and operate in the world as a soul. Um, and uh, we've talked about some of the things that we can use as tools. Our authentic self essentially is the main tool that we have to use to operate as a medial person so that we tap into our senses, our creativity, and our receptivity in order to be able to process through what's going on in our lives and make decisions for our next step along the path. The main thing is that we're learning how to tune in to the calling of the soul. Now, the first thing that we want to say about the calling of the soul is that it does call us to spend time with it. And um, so I very much recommend meditation, um, uh, however you want to do that. And I don't recommend the kind of meditation that says sit still, hold your back straight, do this, do that, do the other, don't think this, don't think that. That feels like way too much work for me. So what I'm talking about is just sitting. That's what Zen uh, Buddhism talks about is just sit, just sit. And what that means isn't just sit on your fanny. It means to to really be present with a given moment. Um, sit with yourself in a given moment and allow yourself to talk to yourself, to have that conversation. Um, some people include prayer in this as well, where they're also having a real conversation with the divine. Uh, and uh, all of that works to put us in touch with the soul. Sometimes, in order to really get to a meditative state, we have to clear the path. And what that means is that we have to let the, the that part of us that has become so attached to the outer world that it fears the inner world to have its say, so that it gets to say all kinds of stupid stuff like... Uh, you know, the monkey chatter that says, what are you doing? You don't have time for this. Get up. you got to get dressed. you got to take a shower. you got to get to work. you got this and this and this to do. And what are you thinking? Don't get, just get up. You know, that, that voice. Uh, and uh, so that monkey chatter is going to be there. And so we need to be able to just go, okay, there it is. There's the monkey chatter. I'm going to let it have its voice for a while. And in a few minutes, it'll stop, slowly begin to slow down a little bit. And I'll be able to hear the voice of my soul because when... When the monkey chatter is going, we don't want to dismiss the voice of the soul simultaneously and just go wonk into that monkey chatter. What we want to do is stay present with the monkey chatter as soul. So we're mindfully looking at it and going, okay, there you are. I see that. Wow, that feels really stressful. Um, and and to, to say, okay, I honor you. I know that you're here, and I know you're here because I'm living on planet Earth where duality is the main mindset. And okay, there you are. And uh, so making room for that resistance is also there. Um, but giving time to meditation, however you do that. But also listening to our dreams. Um, you'll hear people every day talk to you about um, 
um, paying attention to your dreams, writing them down. But it's more than just writing them down. It's spending time with them. It's spending time, and I don't mean hours and hours. I mean letting it sort of hang around in the back of your head as you sort of process through your day. Maybe look up a few things that you dreamed about, a few symbols that you dreamed about, and try to get some images and sort of let those gel and sort of let it just sort of coalesce like you would, uh, you know, a movie. You've watched this great movie on TV or on, on the big screen or on a DVD and you you want to know what it means so you uh, or what it's all about so you're sort of letting it sort of wander through your mind and for the next 24, 48 hours it keeps coming back up and you're thinking about it and you're thinking, oh yeah, well that's what that oh well they were doing that and that's kind of what we need to do with our dreams. Allow them to sort of gel as we as we uh, walk through our days, and also to pay attention to our passions. What is calling you from your soul is also is always going to feel like a powerful uh, emotion. Not not really emotion in terms of anger or, or anything like that, but sort of passion is sort of falling in love with something. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there you are in love with that thing. I'm in love with trees. I'm in love with birds. I'm in love with air. I'm in love with the ocean. I'm in love with living. Uh, there's so many, 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 many people, thing, people, things in the world that I'm in love with. And uh, we can we can do that. We can sort of fall in love with it. And when we do, that's our soul calling us to say, okay, well, look, pay attention to this. Follow this. Find out about this. Investigate that. That's what the soul is saying to us. And then things that catch your eye. I mean, I can be walking into a bookstore and a book will just seem to go, hello, I'm over here. Look at me. And, uh, and, and speaking of books, one of the books that uh, is spoken about in the upcoming clip is going to be very important to, to our further conversation. We're going to hear a clip in just a moment from Oprah's upcoming Mother's Day Super Soul Sunday. The beginning of her Super Soul Sunday series, which is on May the 12th, Mother's Day, and it's the first of two parts in which she interviews her mentor, whom she calls her mother-sister friend, Maya Angelou, about her latest book, Mom and Me and Mom, written about her relationship with her own mother, Vivian Baxter. So here we are with that clip now. I have to ask you, you've put out so much art in the world. What part or piece of art are you proudest of? Is there one? Are there several? Is it the body of art? Your words? Yes. It would be songs, lyrics, some music. I think my greatest blessing, my greatest blessing has been the birth of my son. My next greatest blessing has been my ability to turn people into children of mine. Mm. It's my greatest blessing. You know what your greatest gift to no. me is? No. Is that every one of us who considers us considers ourselves to be your daughter or your son, yeah. every one of us thinks we're the most special. It's true. So I think that is the mark of a great mother, is to make everyone feel like they are the special one. And, yes. he, and you know you really are. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and you know you really are. Every one of us is a child of the divine. Every one of us can know that. And Maya Angelou is one of the most amazing figures that expresses that great mother. 
in the divine for all of us. And we get to see and hear from her and look in her eyes and see that great mother. So what better day to start that series than on Mother's Day? Um, so you want to stay tuned for that. It's going to be at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific. So don't miss it. And we're going to talk just a little bit more about it before we go. And and that fits sort of as a segue right into what we were saying because, as I said in the previous uh, segment, we uh, we have to learn to parent ourselves as part of the medial life. You know, I have so many people come in and say to me, well, I was just raised that way. And my response is always, you know, growing up is all about outgrowing our upbringing. Yeah, it really is. And that doesn't mean we ditch our parents <laughs> and just say, yeah, I don't like you anymore. Um but it does mean that we can say what is really true for us and what isn't anymore, or maybe never was. Uh, we get to decide who we are, separate and distinct from our parents. Um, so many people quote to me the Bible passage, um, honor your mother and your father that your days may be long on the earth, that one. I can't tell you how many times I hear that when I'm dealing with a client or a person or reader or listener who um, who says to me, but, but, you know, I can't really, you know, say no to my parents because, you know, I'm supposed to honor them. And so I, I spent some time really looking at the root language there. And what I found was that the word is not honor in the sense that we think of it in terms of um, bowing down and paying homage to. It is actually no, K-N-O-W, no. Know your parents that your days may be long on the earth. That changes it entirely. So yes, if we know our parents for who and what they are, then we are, we have probably separated ourselves out from them. And that means we get to have a long life and maybe even a happy one if we create that. So that whole idea is, is part of the medial life that we get to follow the direction of our own path. Uh, and in that process, we're going to be paying attention to the little things that happen during the day. We're going to be present for that. Um, we might not notice, you know, what somebody's wearing. Uh, some people ask me all the time, well, what was she wearing? I don't know what she was wearing. I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you the color of her eyes, and I know exactly what she said. And I felt that warm handshake, and I saw how warmly she received people, and I saw this and that and the other. Yeah, that's what we can see when we're looking through the eyes of the soul. Um, so paying attention. Paying attention while we're tuning in to the calling of the soul. Um, it, synchronicity is another one. Uh, Deepak Chopra talks about synchronicity. Carl Jung talked about synchronicity. Those are uh, that it, it's a way that sort of life has of meeting your soul. So soul to soul, life as soul meets your soul, and that's how I think of that. And, and what it does is it just kind of says, "Oh, well, here it is. Yes, there it is again." So it's kind of like you might be thinking about how you might figure out a path for yourself on a given day about a given initiative and something will come along that goes here try this and you go oh wow that just met me right where i was that's synchronicity that's synchronicity and we need to pay attention to that because it is giving us a path from the soul um the so in finding those little ways that the soul calls us, what we're doing is attending to the rich inner world while simultaneously attending to the rich outer world. Um, and so what we do is we get answers we need. Not long ago, I asked myself to dream about a particular thing, and guess what I did? It was amazing. I dreamed about the thing I asked to dream about. That doesn't always happen. 
but this time it did. And, um, and so what, what that was telling me was, oh yeah, this is important. Not only did you need to ask about it, but you got your answer. And very often I will ask myself, and many people tell me about this uh, ability to do this as well, because we all have it, that, uh, we can ask ourselves a question and, uh, get an answer. You know, what, what is it that I need to do about this and so and thus and so? And, um, and very often within three days I have my answer. And uh, now, if it's a big global question about what are we going to do about world suffering, probably, you know, there's an idea I have about that and a philosophy I have about that. And, you know, I've talked about that on the show. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to get an answer to world suffering in, in three days. But it does mean that for my own life, for my own path, I can find an answer for me. And that's what I have to give to the world is me. I don't have anything else or anyone else to give to the world. I have me to give to the world, and that me comes with a soul. So if I'm going to give, fully give me to the world, then then I have to be in my soul, and my soul has to be in my body. Um, so, uh, and I, I want to remind you again, as I said earlier, if you catch it after the fact, okay, fine, you caught it. It doesn't matter when you catch it. Catch it. And then we have to know how to respond. When we hear or see something of the soul calling us, we don't respond with a should. We do not respond to the soul with a should. No, 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 no. <laughs> the soul does not need our shoulds. We respond to the soul with passion, with compassion. That's how we respond to the soul. So if you hear the soul talking and you start telling yourself, well, that means I should do so and so and so, you already, you already dismissed the soul. <laughs> it's not there for you right now. So... These are the ways that we get in touch with the medial life, uh, as we've talked about today. And there's so much more to say about this, and we will in other segments, uh, other shows as well. But right now, uh, what I want to do is just sort of remind you of what we've talked about today with regard to uh, the Oprah's show, the Super Soul Sunday show coming up on Sunday, as well as the life class on Fatherless Sons. Um, so this coming Sunday, Mother's Day, has two very special events on the OWN Network. At 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific, do not miss the kickoff of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday series, the first of her two-part interview with Maya Angelou. And then at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, you can watch the second part of her live class on Fatherless Sons with Iyanla Van Zant and Flash, Dwayne Wade. You can go to Oprah.com to learn more and to see sneak peeks. And if you don't ha- have it or haven't found it or don't yet know what what the own channel is in your area, go to Oprah.com slash own to find the channel in your area so you won't miss the upcoming live class of the Super Soul Sunday series. So that's what we have for today. And, re- and next week we're going to be talking to Maurice uh Mari Pressman, the author of Living in the Supermind, From Personal Mind to Supermind. He's going to teach us how to access infinite information from within to reach our own mind. So don't miss that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.